0: As we journey through this series in the book of Ruth, we'd find these women in a place of despair. And uh, the the story moves us to a place of hope. Last week, we looked at uh, Ruth 1, the first five verses, and we see that uh, this woman, Naomi, she's moved to a foreign land during the time of the judges. It's a very violent time in Israel's history. And uh, she moves to an unfriendly country trying to survive because there's famine in the land of Judah. And when she's there, her husband dies and her two boys die. And she's left with uh, her two boys, married Moabite women. And so she is in a very desperate and despairing place. And uh, this morning, uh, I want to just hit pause uh, on the book of Ruth. And think about our fellow human beings in other parts of the world this morning who are in a very despairing place. Uh, Specifically, our fellow brothers and sisters in Paris who who have just experienced these horrific attacks. Uh, A few days before, there were attacks in Lebanon. Uh, A couple weeks before that, uh, it's, it's widely believed that the airliner, Russian airliner, that went down was an act of terrorism. And and so there are people all over the world who are in a place where they are despairing. They've lost loved ones. There there are refugees, specifically Syrian refugees all over the world who are despairing. They're they're trying to find a better place to live, a better place to survive, a better place to be. And so this morning I'd like us to just take a moment of silence and, and In prayer, stand in solidarity with folks in Paris, uh, with folks all over the world who are experiencing firsthand uh, this tragedy. So let's take a moment of silence and, in your own heart, in your own way, pray for these people. God with the energy we have we begin the day waiting and watching and hoping we wait not clear about our waiting but filled with a restlessness daring to imagine that you are not finished yet so we wait Patiently, impatiently, restlessly, confidently, quaking and fearful, boldly and daring. Your sovereign decree stands clear and we do not doubt. We wait for you to dissolve in tender tears. Your impervious rule takes no prisoners. We wait for you to ache and hurt and care over this world for us and with us and beyond us. Cry with us the brutality. Grieve with us the misery. Tremble with us the poverty and hurt. Attend to your people by attending in power and in mercy. Remake this world alien world into our proper home. We pray in the name of the utterly homeless one, even Jesus. Amen. So if you'd like to follow along this morning, I invite you to turn to Ruth 1 in the Bibles under the chairs in front of you. We're going to pick up where we left off in Ruth uh, 1, verse 6. And where we left Naomi is in Moab, in pain, in suffering, in heartache, and in loss. And in the midst of that, verse 6, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Uh, so last week we looked at the context of what's going on and I'd encourage you if you weren't here last week you can listen to the podcast to, to fill in uh, all this context of what's going on in their lives in Judah, in, in uh, Moab and uh, th- there was this famine and so now Naomi has heard that God has provided food and so she decides to return home. Interestingly enough it says they decided to return home. Where is home for Orpah and Ruth. Moab, they don't know anything about Judah, but they begin on this journey with Naomi. It says they are returning home. With her two daughters in law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now, if I can have the map. You remember, they, they went from Bethlehem, which is just south of Jerusalem, all the way over to Moab. Now uh, Naomi is returning home, and she has Orpah and Ruth with her. This is, a, uh, to say the least, during a very violent time, this is a very dangerous journey for anyone to take, let alone for women to take alone. This is a very dangerous path to take back to Judah. And not only is it dangerous, it's an arduous journey because there's a lot of elevation that they're going to have to climb up. The Dead Sea, if you remember, is the lowest point on planet Earth. The surface of the Dead Sea sits at 2,000 feet below sea level. Bethlehem sits at 2,500 feet above sea level, so that's a 4,500-foot climb to get back home. This is the journey they begin. At some point, uh, they stop, and Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, Go back each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And so Naomi decides, you know what, this isn't a good idea for you to come with me. You should return home. Moab is your home. You should go back there. And may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Now, the word kindness here is the Hebrew word hesed, and it means steadfast love, loving kindness, or faithful love. So it's a it's a much bigger idea than just the English word kindness. It, it, it imitates uh, the divine act of redemptive love. That what God does for his people, someone who lives this way, is embodying that divine act. Towards someone else. They, they are offering themselves to someone in a way to help someone with something that that person cannot do for themselves. And it's an undeserved act of love that is being offered. And so Naomi feels like she, she is in such despair that she cannot offer Hesed back to Orpah and Ruth. And so maybe they can, maybe the Lord will Uh, give them this type of love, this type of hesed, if they go back to Moab, I'm too despairing, I can't offer it back to you in the way you're giving it to me. You should go home. And she says, May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So rest here is the same word that's used in Psalm 23 that uh, says that God will lead us by still waters. The word still is the word Rest, restful waters. It's this idea of finding peace and harmony, finding shalom, finding a place free from pain. She's, she's blessing them, praying for them in such a way that they will find this kind of life in the future because she feels for herself there is no hope for a good future. And so she's sending them back. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud And said to her, we will go back with you to your people. So, there's a a dichotomy here. There are the people of Ruth and Orpah, and there are Naomi's people. And Ruth and Orpah say, we will go back with you to your people. They're committed to staying with Naomi. But Naomi, for a second time argues that they should return. She says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And so Naomi argues a second time, saying they should return. And she's saying, listen, are you going to wait around for me to have more kids? I'm too old to even have kids. It's not going to work out. You need to go home. You have hope for a future if you return to Moab. The idea of you coming back with me means no hope for your future. Go back. And then she adds, and you should know that my God Has turned his back on me. This is how Naomi feels. She feels that God has turned his back on her. She feels rejected by God. She feels in complete despair. And something you should know about this the beauty of the ancient Hebrew people, or a part of the beauty of the ancient Hebrew people, is that they are honest. They are honest with God about how they're feeling. Job was honest with God about how he was feeling. Over and over again, we see in the Psalms honesty about how they're feeling. In Psalm 13, David begins this psalm by saying, How long, Lord, will you forget forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long Will my enemy triumph over me? I just want to say to you this morning that if you find your place yourself in a place of despair, God can handle your honesty about how you feel. He can handle your anger. He can handle your fear. He can handle your arguing. He can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. God's big enough to handle it. And he's handled it for generations and generations. God appreciates our honesty. He doesn't appreciate us trying to hide what we're really feeling. So if you're angry at God, tell him. Because he's okay with it. He can handle it. Naomi says, it's bitter for me. And God has turned away from me. She's just honest about how she's feeling. Now notice the narrator who's telling the story does not say that God has turned away from Naomi. But it is how Naomi feels in the moment, that God has turned his back on her. This is how Naomi feels. And so she uses it as an argument to Orpah and Ruth that they should return. Listen, if you come with me, you're coming with a lady who God has turned his back on. That's how she feels. And so in response, verse 14, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah has decided to return. She's taken Naomi's advice. She's decided to return. In the text, there is no judgment against Orpah for making this choice. In fact, this is the wise choice. This is the rational choice. This is the choice almost anyone else in her position would make. And so there's no ill feelings. There's no judgment towards Orpah for making this choice to return home. Ruth, however, says, I'm with you. She clings to Naomi. Now, this word cling is a very, very strong and intimate word. It's the same word used in Genesis 2 when it says, a man will leave his father and mother and be united or cling, to his wife. It's a very strong, intimate, relational term. And Ruth loves her mother-in-law so strongly, she clings to her to stay with her. And so for a third time, Naomi makes an argument that she should return. Look, verse 15, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. And so again, we see the dichotomy. Her people, and then she adds to it this time. Her gods. She's saying, listen, Ruth, you need to understand, if you come with me, you're going to be away from everything you know. You're going to be away from your home, You're going to be away from your people. You're going to be away from your gods. You, in this moment, have the opportunity to return to everything you know. And if you return to everything you know, you have a hope for a future. But if you come with me, you are leaving everything you know, and you probably have no hope for a good future. Return to your home, your people, your gods. Ruth responds, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Ruth takes everything Naomi has said, your home, your people, your gods, and she flips it all and says, No more dichotomy. I am united to your home, your people, your God, fully and completely. And the, the rhyme, the rhythm in the Hebrew is very beautiful and poetic. It, it, it literally reads, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. You die, I die. And there will I be buried. She says, even to the point of death, I am with you. I am taking on your home. I am taking on... Your people, I'm taking on your God. They're mine. These are such uh, strong and beautiful words. They're probably the most famous words in the book of Ruth, and they've been used in a number of wedding ceremonies. Uh, people who are getting married use these words to show their love, level of love and commitment to each other. And, it, and it's like with every line, Ruth is upping the ante of her level of commitment. Your home's my home, your people, my people. Your God, my God, and I will die there and be buried there. This is a huge statement by Ruth. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Uh, In the Hebrew, it literally says she stopped talking to her. And so, uh, scholars are divided on this. Uh, some, Some say she's relieved and glad Ruth is coming with her. Others say... She doesn't want her to come with her. Uh, Ruth is a constant reminder to her of her pain and everything she's lost. And on top of that, when she returns to Bethlehem, when she returns home, if she returns without her husband and sons, it's simple enough to explain they died. But if she returns with a Moabite woman, she has to admit that her boys married Moabite women, married foreigners. And so she may be feeling like Ruth is actually a liability to her. We don't know. We don't know how Naomi is feeling about this. What we do know is that Naomi feels bitter. She feels betrayed by God. And she feels lost, like she's left everything. But Ruth, however... What I didn't read in verse 17 says, May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. She invokes the name of Naomi's God. This is very interesting because Naomi has just said, My God has turned his back on me. And Ruth says, Well, may that God, who is my God, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't go with you. It seems as though Ruth, who's been a part of this Hebrew family for ten years now, already knows the God of Israel. And seems to trust him in a way that Naomi doesn't. You see, Ruth makes the choice to risk everything. And she makes no excuses about it. So we're, we're a people, we love excuses, don't we? We, we make excuses all the time. I, I hear excuses in my house all the time from my kids and from me. Uh, I, we make excuses at home. We make excuses at work. We make excuses at school, at work. Projects do. Where's the project? Well, I didn't have all the information I needed. Well, why don't you ask for the information I needed? Well, that's Sam's job to get me that information. Did you ask Sam? Well, no, because Harry, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, we just make excuses which lead to blaming others about those excuses. I I had this major drainage project going on at my house. I had this huge trench all the way through my front yard, a huge trench through my driveway. And I can dig, right? And I had friends help me dig it. But then i got to put all this piping in, which I have no idea how to do. And so I just didn't do it. It sat for a month. I just didn't do it. Because I had all the excuses in the world. Like, the kids are distracting me. I don't have time. I don't know how. Uh, until Jenna's like, okay, I'm going away for, with the kids for a few days. And you get to do the drainage project. And I did. <laughs> I figured it out. See, we live with the, the risk of the unknown. Uh, On one hand, we live with a fear of the unknown. But on the other hand, there's an element of excitement and what could be in the unknown. We often live in the fear, and so we just don't move into the risk of the unknown. But I think God invites us into the risk of the unknown and the excitement of what could be if we enter into it, rather than choosing to be stuck. Ruth refuses to be stuck. She says, I'm entering the unknown, and it's risky. I don't know how I will be received in this unknown place. I don't know what life will be like in this unknown place. I don't know if I will ever have a good future in this unknown place but I'm choosing the way of hesed, of loving kindness towards Naomi, and I'm going with her into the unknown, trusting and believing that this God of Israel will somehow provide protection and a future. She enters into it simply not knowing what the future holds. Several generations later there was a young teenage girl who was asked to do something that could completely ruin her could ruin her future could be excommunicated from her family and her people it's a teenage girl named Mary and she was asked to carry a child who would come into the world to save it to offer it hope for a future filled with redemption, restoration, joy, and delight. She took a risk and said yes. And that baby became a man and took a risk, offered the greatest said anyone has ever seen, as his body was broken and his blood poured out on a cross, so that we might experience hope for a new future. When when we come to this table, this ancient practice of communion, the Eucharist, this good gift, we take this piece of bread and we dip it in this cup to remember this act of Hesed. That Jesus died so that we could have hope and live. His body broken, his blood poured out. For us, said And it's an invitation for us to join in that way of said that we too might be a people who, whose bodies are broken, whose blood is poured out, where we will pour out our lives for the sake of others, to live into the Hased, the loving kindness of God. And so this morning, as we come and take this bread and dip it in this cup, I wonder for you this morning, whatever you're carrying, uh, whatever pain or grief, uh, what does it look like to to offer it to the one who gave the greatest act of chesed? Uh For you this morning, uh, perhaps you've been making excuses about a relationship, about work, about home, about whatever. Uh, maybe for you this morning, you say, I'm... I'm dropping the excuses, and I'm going to take the risk that God's inviting me to take and live into this way of Hased, the way of Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for the boldness and courageousness of Ruth, the risk she took, Thank you, ultimately, for the risk you took in sending your Son to live among us. God, we want to be a people not of excuses, but a people of said, of your loving kindness, bringing your hope, bringing your hope, healing to a broken and hurting world. So, God, I pray this morning as we... Partake of these elements as we remember the chesed of Jesus, the gift he gave us. God, may we be a people who say, I'm ready to live a life of love. I'm ready to be broken and poured out for you so that others might see the loving kindness of God and the way of life you have created for us to live. a way that leads us home to God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go this morning, may you be a people who follow. Follow the one who leads us into a good future. May you take the risks God calls you to take. May you sit in the pain that you experience. And may you release it to the healer of all good gifts. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom. The very peace of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Grace and peace be yours. Amen.